you know, this year will be different in that we won't have a New Year's Eve service. And so today will be the last service for the year two, uh, 2020. And what an interesting year this has been. And although it's just a number, most of us are hoping and, and wanting to kind of turn the page from what was 2020 to hopefully a better 2021. And so I think it's so appropriate, not only is today the last worship service for the year, but today is the last uh, sermon in that series, A Thrill of Hope, when we were looking at Christmas and how hopefully, or there's a possibility of there being hope found there. And so um, what I want to do is point us to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have your uh, app, you can fire that up. Isaiah chapter 9, verse... Uh, verses 1 and 2, and um, we'll be looking at it all the way through verse 7. It's a passage that I spoke from about two and a half years ago, but I wanted to uh, preach it in a fresh new way to help us to turn the page. In chapter 9, verse 1, it speaks of a former time and a latter time. And in, chap in chapter 9, verse 2, this is what Isaiah says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. He speaks of a former times which is dark and a latter time which is light. And my hope today is to uh, point you to the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah to help us to turn the page from darkness to light. Not that we would do so necessarily, but perhaps even realize that it, is, it has already happened. You know, 2020 has been a strange year, right? To say the least. I mean, who would have thought that uh, we would all discover our inner introvertedness? That we would drive so much less and spend so much time at home that we would watch a lot less sports, but more Netflix. Who would have thought that we would hear about people giving births, people getting married, and people bearing loved ones, but not being there for them because we're unable to. For a few people, they flourished. For many, they've survived. But most of us, if we're honest, we struggled at times. You know, COVID has changed us because our, the world around us has changed. I don't know about you, but I think what I'm about to say is somewhat true. We've developed a bunch of phobias during this particular period. I, we've become germaphobic, a fear of viruses, right? Um, you know, I, I, I don't remember the last time someone sneezed and someone said, bless, God bless you. If you sneeze, like, get out of the way, right? Uh, we become xenophobic when I'm walking, uh, taking a walk around my neighborhood. If there's a stranger, I, you know, you, you go as far away from that person as possible. We've become um, anaclophobic, which is a fear of crowds. We just don't gather in crowds anymore, especially not close. And we've become hephaphobic, which is the fear of being touched. 
if you're at the supermarket and you're handing that person your credit card or a receipt at Costco, you're so careful not to make contact. If you don't think you've changed, I want you to take a look at this picture. If you can... I don't know about you, but when I'm scrolling through uh, social media and I see a picture of a crowd, like people, tightly packed together, I get nervous, I get anxious. And this is, by the way, 2019. This wasn't a 2020 VBS. We had three, 400 people in the space. And I look back in this picture and I, felt, I feel like we did something wrong. Oh my gosh, we let all those kids like sit so close together without masks. I don't know what it's going to be like in 2021 if we would sit close in crowds, being able to uh, see each other's faces and smile. But what we long for is the ability to turn the page, to transition from darkness to light. You know, Isaiah, when he penned uh, these chapters in verse uh, chapters 6 7 8 and 9 in particular he speaks uh, of a time of real darkness in the nation of Israel Israel was in the midst of a, a difficult time they were in a divided kingdom there it's no longer a single monarchy or, or a single country but after a, a terrible civil war the northern part is called Israel and the southern part is called Judah. The northern had a series of uh, kings, all wicked, a lot of assassinations and coups. And the southern part um, remarkably had a line of king, the, the line of David. Uh, some of the kings were good, but this particular king that uh, Isaiah interacts with in chapter 6 through 9, uh, King Ahaz, he's not one of the good ones. In fact, one of the commentators writes that he is a cowardly, superstitious, and hypocritical ruler, one of the worst kings Judah ever had. In 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 2 and 3, this is what God says of King Ahaz, that he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father had done. He even burned his son as an offering. The king literally sacrificed his own biological son, to bring good fortunes to his nation. The northern kingdom, uh, along with an alliance of Pekka and uh, a superpower, Syria, attacked the southern kingdom. It would be as if um, North Korea joined hands with, with uh, China and attacking South Korea. And it was such a bloody battle that on one single day, uh, they killed 120,000 soldiers, and they also took 200,000 civilians into captivity. This is the period in which Isaiah writes about. In chapter 8, verses 21 and 22, he says, They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry, they will be enraged and speak contemptuously against their king and their god and turn their faces upward, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into darkness. Chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, But there will be gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. In the latter time, he had made 
glorious, the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shown the, the word uh, that is used to describe this uh, former times is darkness. Deep darkness, thick darkness, in which they walked and they lived in, in which they were thrust into. I believe it's such an appropriate metaphor for uh, the state of the nation at that particular time and something we can relate to. What is darkness? You know, darkness, in essence, is the absence of light. Light gives us the ability to, to know what's out there and to see ahead of where we are going. An absence of light causes uncertainty. It allows us not to have confidence in where we are or where we are going. You know, um, if you've ever experienced a blackout, and blackouts are different now. A few weeks ago, my, we experienced a little bit of a blackout in my home, and the first thing that my wife and I did was we pulled out our, our smartphones to use as a flashlight. But uh, before smartphones, when the lights went out, we would be in completely a black home, and we would feel around cautiously, anxiously, wondering when the darkness would lift. Uh, when Isaiah speaks of the darkness, he speaks of a time when, when people are anxious because they don't know where they are and they don't know where they are going, uh, a period of anxiety, and oftentimes the darkness causes you to be isolated and alone. The time that we are oftentimes in darkness is at the end of the day and we're no longer socializing with people, no longer interacting on internet or on Zoom, but we are ultimately alone. And this particular season of isolation, of quarantine, kind of accentuates the fact that we feel oftentimes alone. And oftentimes the people who are with, a fam with family can feel especially alone. Darkness, when the scripture speaks about it, is the absence of the presence of God. It says in 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if light represents the presence of God, darkness represents the absence of God. That it is to be separated from the presence of God. And in chapter 8, verse 21, it says that the people held contempt against their human rulers, the kings, because of their hunger, and then uh, that, that got them angry, and they turned uh, their attention to what humans can do for them, their earthly rulers, uh, technology and politics, but when that failed them, they turned toward God, and they became contemptuous against God himself for disappointing them, a time of darkness. And darkness ultimately, ultimately, kind of signals the end of life or death. The, the last thing, the last uh, thing that when we visualize and we um, imagine someone uh, passing from this existence to the next, light to darkness when they close their eyes and the last thing they see is life. 
I, you know, this metaphor of darkness is such an appropriate metaphor for uh, 2020, isn't it? If you don't believe me, let me give you some headlines or some statistics. Like I, as an engineer, I, I, for some reason, I like numbers. The death rate in the United States in the year 2020 is expected to increase about 15% as compared to the year 2019, or about 400,000. 81% of Gen Z teenagers um, experience negative impact of school closures and about half says, about 51% said that planning for the future feels almost impossible for college age students. About 60% said that the pandemic is making their future planning near impossible uh, going to school, dorming, activities, finding a job. The extensive isolation and stress is causing, as Gallup would say, Americans' mental health ratings sinking to a new low. People are responding in the most severe way possible. Experts are worried about marital discord, about child abuse, and experts worried about, worry about underreported child abuse because kids are not in school. And it only surfaces at the top when it's at the extreme in the city of San Francisco. Listen carefully. The city of San Francisco had 173 COVID deaths this year, but it had 631 suicide, uh, uh, drug overdoses. In the country of Japan, in the month of October, they had more suicides and they had COVID deaths the whole year. I meet with the, uh, some groups of leaders, and it is the constant refrain that people are struggling from isolation, from uh, disappointment, from loss, from uncertainty, from separation, and it feels like darkness. You know, last week, uh, Pastor James Lee, if you recall, remember the Disney movie that he referred to? It was uh, Tangled, right? He talked about how the, that wicked, fake mom locked up Rapunzel in a castle, separating her from all of existence on her especially 18th birthday, and we thought that was terrible, but during COVID time, what she did was actually very uh, according to state guidance, isn't it? We sang um, Let It Go, Let It Go, Elsa would sing, as if we were saying we should be carefree, go out, and, and live life but in reality, during COVID time, we should say, no, no, stay behind your closed door, wear your gloves, and don't associate with strangers. It's a strange time. We are, we feel like the year 2020 is kind of a mesh, it's like molasses, it's like quicksand. We vaguely remember the season, the months and the weeks. Um, things had normally marked a period, the end of school, the beginning of summer, um, the Super Bowls or, or the March Madness, they all kind of got mumbled. And it was this gray, hazy year for so many of us. And we're waiting and wanting to turn the page from darkness to light. So chapter 9, verse 1, Isaiah begins with the word, but. And the word but normally connotates a, a contrast. It's an objection to the darkness that chapter 8 ended with. But. Verse 2, 
have, we have seen a great light. On them has light shone. He's now talking about the latter times. And what causes the latter times? What causes the great light? And he gives a series of for or because. In verse 4, for you have broken as in the day of Midian. Verse 5, for every boot of trampling warrior will be burned. There will be deliverance. But what will be the deliverance? Will it be a new stimulus check? Will it be the vaccine? Will it be a new president? What will the new deliverance be? And in verse 6, which is the, the, the verse that we're going to key in this morning, 4, verse 6, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's what we will call him. And we all know that this is in reference to Emmanuel, the Son of God, God incarnate, or hope incarnate in Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus Christ the one who can bring us to the light, who can give hope in the midst of hopelessness? Um, he's called four things, and we're so familiar with these, we don't take time to pause and kind of meditate, and, and let me do so for us today. First of all, Jesus can give us hope, and he is the one who brings us to the light because he is a wonderful counselor. The term counselor means someone who, uh, from a position of authority, gives counsel. But the adjective says he is wonderful, something too uh, wonderful, something um, that is unspeakable. Now, let me uh, ask a rhetorical question. What makes Jesus not only the perfect counselor, but a wonderful counselor? You see, this may sound a little bit heretical, but let me, let me go there. Now, God the Father is a perfect counselor. If we go to God the Father for knowledge and wisdom, God can give perfect counsel because he knows everything. He knows the future. He knows us, our intentions. But there's something unique about the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, that makes him not only a perfect counselor, has all the right answer, but a wonder-filled counselor, and it is this. Sometimes when we need counsel, when we are distressed, we can go to someone, and that person can give us all the right answer. But from a position of disconnectedness, from a position of not understanding really what's going on within me, The reason why Jesus is a wonder-filled counselor is because he is one who's walked in our shoes. Having been born during a tumultuous time, having his biological father gone by the time he is an adult, by having spent a portion of his life under a single mom, by having been misunderstood by even his own sibling, and no matter what he did, he was hated by those who should have embraced him. Along the way, Jesus experienced the kind of weaknesses that you and I would experience and kind of temptations that we wrestle with on a daily basis. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. 
in the book Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, Mark Rogop talks about the necessity that Christians have to lament, meaning to take our pains and bring them to the Lord, not just bearing it, not just denying it, not just positive thinking, but being real and saying, this is where it hurts. He says of lament that while, he, while crying is human to lament is Christian, Lament is how those who know what God is like and believe in him address their pain. God is good, but life is hard. Lament is the language of a people who believe in God's sovereignty, but live in a world with tragedy. I think all of us, all of us need some time to lament and to grieve at losses. I've had to do this, and I would ask all of you to do this at some point in time this next week. Come to the Lord, turn your face to the Lord Jesus, and tell him specifically, in detail, those things that you're grieving about, the losses. It could be messy, it can be embarrassing, it, it can feel trivial. But don't stop because, well, God doesn't care about those things. Come to the Lord, your wonderful counselor. The second thing that Jesus is called is a mighty God. He is not only God, but he is a mighty God. Verse 6 tells us that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And verse 7, the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The Lord Jesus will bear the burden of nations on his Shoulder, You know, next month, January 20th, 2021, we will inaugurate a new president. For some people, that will be the beginning of a new era, something they celebrate. For others, they go, well, they're suspicious of the new administration, but I'm going to say, make a political statement, which I rarely do, of course, but I want, I'm going to do so, and so I want you to hold on to your seat. The current president is fallible and unable to solve some of our biggest problems. But so is the president-elect. And the reason being is there's human, they're people. And their abilities are lacking. And they are frail. You know, I, I, I don't even know how they would do it. How do you, how do you mandate a nation-filled with independent-minded thinkers to wear masks, take, get a vaccine and stay home, and give people complete freedom. I don't know how you do that. I was talking with someone who is on the board, uh, school board, and he was saying that it didn't really matter what the school board decided, that they are hated by one side or the other. Uh, if they open up the school, they're, uh, they're, he gets emails saying, you're murdering our kids. And if they close the school, he, he gets emails saying, you're ruining our kids. I want you to know that we have a mighty God. Do you understand that we have a Jesus who was both vulnerable to sickness and death, but who has the power of the universe in his word and if he chooses in this instant, he could, by a spoken word, get rid of all viruses and sickness from this earth. 
But if he does not do so, in his sovereign guidance and will and goodness, there must be a reason, and he walks us through the valley of the shadow of death. And we have such a God. The third name that we call Jesus is the everlasting Father. And this is so important. In this particular season of isolation, of feeling uh, abandoned, uh, of feeling a sense of uh, lack of self-worth, you know, we desperately want someone to tell us, I love you, I care about you, I'm proud of you, I'm, I believe in you. That, that's what we long for. And you know, you can be a 50, 60-year-old 60 um, adult with adult children, and you can still crave that. You know, one of the greatest, greatest scenes ever in television history uh, is from an old show that uh, I sporadically watched. Uh, it starred a very, very young Will Smith in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Some of you? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. So for those of you who don't know, it's a story about this. Uh, it's a situation in which he, uh, Will Smith, um, you know, f from the inner city, comes to Bel Air to live with this uh, well, highly educated judge of an uncle Phil, who's very family oriented. And the reason, one of the reasons he had to do so was because he was abandoned by his biological father at a young age, at the age of five. And in this particular episode, the father, the biological father, comes and finds Will. His name is Lou. And, and, and Will is very excited that he's reunited with his dad. His father talked about taking him fishing, and he's very excited about that. In the morning of the day that Will was supposed to go fishing with his father, Lou decides that he had other plans. Tells Uncle Phil, I'm going to leave, and before he can leave, Will has this interaction with his biological dad, and Dad says, I got to go. I'll call you sometime. And Will says, okay, by Lou instead of Dad. And after he leaves, he, he's alone with his Uncle Phil. And, and I wish I could show the, the video. I, I, I was just afraid that it might get cut off because of copyright issues. So I'll post a link later on. And there's some, um, some strong language in there. So because cause we're, cause I'm preaching, I'm going <laughs> to PG it. You know what I mean? Darn and heck. Will Smith, one of this, I, I, I think it's one of the finest moments in TV. If, if you watch it, you, you'll know what I'm saying. Hey, why should I be mad? At least he said goodbye this time. I, I just wish I hadn't wasted my money buying this stupid present. Hey, you know, ain't like I'm still five years old sitting up every night asking my mom, Where's, when's daddy coming home? You know, who needs him? He wasn't there to teach me how to shoot my first basket, but I learned, didn't I? Hey, I got pretty good, um, darn good at it too, didn't I? Got through my first date without him, right? I learned how to drive, I learned how to shave, I learned how to fight without him. I had 14 great birthdays without him. I never, he never even sent me a darn card. The heck with him. I didn't need him then and I don't need him now. You know what, Uncle Phil? I'm going to get through college without him. I'm going to get 
a great job without him. I'm going to marry me a beautiful honey, and I'm having a whole bunch of kids. I'm going to be a better father than he ever was. And I sure as heck don't need him for that because ain't a darn thing he could ever teach me about how to love my kids. And if you remember the clip, there's a long pause. And, he, and Uncle Phil kind of draws him near and, and the will begins to, to break down. And he says, how come he don't want me, man? It's a longing of every single human being to be wanted, to be loved by a father or mother. But in all honesty, our, our parents disappoint us. As, listen, us parents, we disappoint our kids. They disappoint us by giving us conditional love, by, by loving us when we've achieved, but not as much when we don't by placing unfair expectations on us, by trying to live vicariously through us, by being absent when we need them and eventually by leaving us. And sometimes, and oftentimes, it's not even their fault. And what the Lord Jesus says of himself and what we shall call him is, you are an everlasting father. You not only relate to us as one who loves us, but you have promised you will never, ever leave us alone. Your presence is always with us. So in this time of darkness, we have the Lord Jesus. And finally, the Prince of Peace. A Prince of Peace. You know, the, the thing that worried King Ahaz the most is, Conflict, conflict with those on the outside. And we oftentimes, when we are in stress or distress, we want to find someone to blame. Right? And we think it's someone else's fault, but listen carefully. The, our, our biggest conflict, our biggest ultimate conflict, it's the conflict underneath the conflict, and it is the conflict within ourselves. And the conflict within us that exists within us is something that cannot easily be solved by politics or money or by others. And the biggest conflict that you and I have, listen carefully, the biggest conflict that we have with ourselves is the conflict of sin. How do we solve that? How do we have peace when we know that we are guilty? How do we know and how, what can someone do, anyone do about our guilt? And it is the Lord Jesus who was born some 2,000 years ago who lived an ordinary life and who eventually climbed upon that cross and gave his life. And he says of himself, John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In this tumultuous time, as we turn the page, it's really just a number. But I want you, I want you as we close out the year, 
to turn your face to the Lord Jesus again. And not just these words of the song, but I want you to relate to him in such a way you go, yes, he is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is an everlasting father. He is the Prince of Peace. And say that over and over again and turn to him over and over again. I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. And they're going to lead us in a song. And I've asked them to especially to lead us in this one song. I, I love the words that this song begins with that points us to our Lord Jesus. In the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, from a throne of endless glory, to a cradle in the dirt. Lord Jesus, I, we come before you in the dark and without hope, but let us rediscover and let us turn our face to our Lord Jesus once again. And for those here or those at home who do not know you, I pray that they would seek you, pray to you, call you. We pray in Jesus' name.